Good morning. My name is Ellie. I'm one of the family pastors here. As you saw from that recap video, we're working through a series right now on cultural humility. And today we will be talking about reconciliation. Before we read our text from the Bible for today, I'd like to put up a few definitions of reconciliation that you can hold in your heart and mind as we speak about this topic today. So reconciliation, the doing away of an enmity, the restoration of friendly relations, the process of making two opposite beliefs, ideas, or situations agree, and the recovered favor of God. Please stand with me if you are able. We're going to read the text for the message today. We'll be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. And this is what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your words that are useful for shaping us into who you want us to be. Open our hearts to what you have to say this morning. Amen. So this verse mentions two main things that we're going to talk about today. One is the message of reconciliation. That is reconciliation between us and God. And two, the, mess, the ministry of reconciliation. That is reconciliation between us and the world. So first, we'll talk about what the message of reconciliation actually is. And then we will talk about our response as the ministry of reconciliation. The reason we're going to talk about those things in that order is because I believe that our most effective ministry to others comes out of an overflow of the message we've received ourselves from God. Our family recently purchased a devotional book about the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and the author of this book, Christy Thomas, she shares that other devotionals about the fruit of the Spirit were kind of frustrating her because they were just all about how to work up these attributes in ourselves or how to practice them to become more loving or peaceful or kind. And she feels it would be better to focus on these attributes in God himself. She thinks that when we study how Jesus displayed these attributes to the people around him when he lived on earth, or when we focus and reflect on how we've experienced those attributes from God in our own lives, then we'll actually be inspired and moved to act in the same way to those around us. So for example, we'd become more loving out of an overflow of the love we've experienced from God. Or we'd be more peaceful out of a desire to imitate Jesus who was peaceful to those around him. And I agree with the author on this. I think that in the same way, we will become better ministers of reconciliation when we have a deep understanding and appreciation for the reconciliation we have received through Christ. 
If we want to have a culture of reconciliation in the church and in God's kingdom, we must first be impacted by reconciliation ourselves. The culture of the kingdom of God begins in the hearts of each of his followers. So let's start there, in our own hearts, with the message of reconciliation. In this verse from 2 Corinthians, Paul is speaking through a letter. He's writing a letter to a church in Corinth. And there's some sort of conflict between him and them, and he's reminding them in these verses what his role is and what their role is in the world. He's reminding them that they used to be one way, but now they are new because they have been reconciled to God. He's reminding them that they've already received the message of reconciliation from Jesus. So what exactly is this message? Let's spend some time on that right now. Um, but first, I actually need a volunteer. Before you all volunteer at once, this needs to be a person who doesn't mind taking on a little debt this morning, and also a person who can quickly run to their car and come back after I give them some instructions. Can I get a volunteer, please? <laughs> okay, come on up, Lisa. Thank you so much. <clears throat> Let's give her a round of applause. Thank you, Lisa. Okay, so Lisa, this morning, I would like to loan you $20, okay? This is a real Canadian $20 bill, and this is a loan, okay? I'm lending you this. You guys are all witnesses. Let the record show I am lending Lisa $20. Lisa now has a debt to me, okay? Now, Lisa, could you please go as quickly as you can, put it in your car, and come right back? Okay. All right, thank you for volunteering. Thank you all for witnessing. Let's give Lisa another round of applause as she goes. <clears throat> so right now, the debt between me and Lisa is unresolved, and we are gonna come back to it later, but for now, let's keep going with the message of reconciliation. So the word reconciliation tells us that there used to be a difficult history between two things. It tells us that something is fixed that used to be broken. So if reconciliation has happened, we can guess that there used to be two opposing parties. There was enmity between them, meaning that they were beyond just disagreement, they were actually enemies. And there was a difference between them that divided them. This is all true of our relationship with God as well. Just like Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, they used to be opposed or enemies to God because of their sin, but now they're reconciled because God is not counting their sins against them. This is the message of reconciliation, as it says in the verse, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Meaning that Jesus became sin so that sin could be punished on a cross. As we talk about this message today, this might be the first time you're hearing this message or it might be the millionth time, but either way, I think it's really important and I hope that even if you've heard it a bunch of times, it'll refresh your memory of what we've experienced through God. At the beginning of time, when God created humanity, he created us to be close to him. He created us to enjoy the peace and the life that comes from closeness to him. But Adam and Eve, the very first humans he created, decided to go their own way. They did not want to obey God, and they sinned for the very first time. Evil was introduced, and forever, all of humanity, including you and I, would be sinful by nature. Because of their sin, Adam and Eve had to leave God's presence. They had to leave the garden he created for them. They had to go far away from him. 
Sin cannot live or stand in the presence of God because God is holy and sin is not holy. The Bible Project describes God's holiness like the sun. The sun is amazing and powerful and it enables life on earth to flourish. It's a good thing, but it's also a dangerous thing. The closer you get to the sun, the more intense it is. And if you get too close, you could actually be annihilated. God's holiness is similar. If someone unholy gets near to God's holiness, his presence is actually dangerous to them. Not because his presence is bad, but because it's so, so good. And sin is the opposite of good. Its result is death. You may have heard other verses that say the wages of sin is death. Sin creates a debt that we owe to God. And we can't be close to him because we'll die unless that debt is paid. And this is where the message of reconciliation comes in. God, in his great love and great goodness, didn't create us to be enemies of himself. He wanted to be close to us. He wanted us to enjoy the life that exists in his presence. But there was debt to be paid. In order for reconciliation to happen, in order for there to be the, friend, the restoration of friendly relations, like in the definition up there, the debt had to be removed. The message of reconciliation is this. God himself provided the means of paying the debt to himself. We didn't stop sinning. We didn't become perfectly holy like him. God did the work of changing that situation. God himself came down to earth, died on a cross to complete the punishment for our sins, and then his wrath was satisfied. The debt of our sin was paid in full. Reconciliation was made possible. The separation between us and God was dissolved. Two opposing situations were rectified. God's favor was restored. And he replaced that distance and farness from him with closeness to him and friendship and access to his presence. His presence, because of what Jesus did, is no longer dangerous to us. That's the result of reconciliation. God made the way back to him, cleared of obstacles, and we just have to accept his gift and walk down that cleared path to him. We have to accept the reconciliation that he made possible. Miss Lisa, would you mind coming back up here again? <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> now, Lisa, you owe me something. You have a debt to me. But I don't want there to be anything separating you and I. The only way for this to be settled, though, is for the debt to be paid. For you and me to be square, I'm going to need that $20 back. But I can see that you don't have it. I can see that you are not able to pay off this debt. But don't worry, I'm going to make a way for this debt to be paid. All you need to do is accept this $20 I'm offering you as payment for your debts. You can give it to me to pay your debts. <laughs> Awesome! You are debt-free. There is nothing separating us any longer. You are free to go and enjoy the blessing of your reconciliation. Thank you. Let's give her a round of applause. <clears throat> Friends, what happened here today makes absolutely no financial or logical sense. But it is what God does for us. We created a debt to him through our sin. We did that. We owe him. And then he pays off the debt to himself. Obviously, Miss Lisa's inability to pay the debt to me was manufactured for the, the sake of the illustration. But in real life, we are unable to pay our debt to God. 
But God reconciled us to himself by taking the punishment we deserve. It's a kind of justice and mercy that makes no sense. But it is real and it is ours to receive. If you never have, it is yours to receive. God is motivated by his love for us and went as far as even death on a cross to make sure that we could be close to him. But he didn't stay dead. We know that he came back to life. And now each of us has the opportunity to accept this reconciliation. The message of reconciliation is us, you and me, being reconciled to God on an individual level. And how do we respond? How do we respond to this wonderful message that Jesus delivered to us? We respond by becoming ministers of reconciliation to others. Just like Paul instructed the Corinthian church, we are instructed to not forget that we've been blessed by our reconciliation to God. We've been relieved of our debt to him, and now we need to invite others into that freedom. Invite them into the reconciled, debt-free family of God. We are now called into the ministry of reconciliation. Now, as we talk about this next part, I just want to clarify that the ministry of reconciliation is different from conflict resolution. Okay, interpersonal conflicts do happen, and the Bible has wisdom to guide us through those moments. Joseph will be speaking about that in the coming weeks. But today we're not focusing so much on how to deal with conflict, but rather how to invite non-believers into reconciliation with God. The ministry of reconciliation is the sharing of the message of reconciliation. God is extremely good to us and lets us choose if we want to be in relationship with him. And now he calls us to show the world that goodness and to let them choose. In our text for today, Paul was encouraging the Corinthian church to share the message of reconciliation they had already received. And that is what we're trying to do today. As Christians, we know that this world is broken and in need of God. We know that our only hope is God. He's going to come back and get rid of all the evil things and make a new earth that we can live in and experience with him forever. People need to know that this hope exists, that there's hope of life after death if they accept the message of reconciliation. So how do we do this? How do we offer this promise to people? How can we participate in the work of God reconciling himself to humanity? Humanity to himself, rather. I'm going to share a few things that I hope will be helpful to you. Most of them come from things that Jesus actually did in his time on earth when he came to deliver the message of reconciliation to us. If we look at how Jesus carried out his mission, I think there's a lot we can glean about how we can participate in this mission ourselves. Obviously, we can't reconcile people to God, but we can help in the work of inviting them into that and representing God's reconciled people. The first way we can participate in this work is to be around. When God reconciled us to himself, he actually came to us. He came to earth. He spent time with sinful people like us. He traveled with people. He visited them. And if we want to reconcile the world to God, we also need to be around. Each of us has access to different people and different environments. Each of us has unique areas and relationships in which we need to be around. For example, my kids are in public school, so that is a place I can be around. Even though the values and curriculum doesn't always line up with my own values, and sometimes I don't want to be around because of those things, that's where my kids are, and that's where God has called me to be, and I need to be around there. 
Your kids might be part of a homeschool group or extracurricular activities that you can be around. You might be around your job at a mill or a grocery store or a bank or wherever you work. You might even be around your own family who doesn't know God. And you know, if you're more introverted, like me and Joseph, it might not come as naturally to you to engage at those places. It might just be easier to come and go, leave your shift right away without talking to anybody. It might be easier for someone like Hannah or Thomas, who just comes naturally to them, to be in the mix and to get out there. But either way, whichever camp you fall into, we are all called to be there for people, to engage in the environments we're in, however that looks for you. So wherever you are, whoever you interact closely with or live with, get out there, okay? We cannot be ministers of reconciliation if we only spend time at church or with already reconciled believers. It's very hard to invite someone into reconciliation with God if you're never around them. And that's actually the Great Commission. Jesus told his disciples, go be places. So that's our command as well, to go be places. So ask yourself, in what places or settings can I be around? Another thing we must do if we're going to participate in this work of reconciliation is to act reconciled. This means that there should be an obvious difference between us, reconciled believers, and the rest of the world. If a non-believer in your life looks at you, they should see something different. People who have been reconciled to God do not hold grudges or bitterness against others because they know what it's like to be far from God and how great it feels to be put back in right relationship with him. People who have experienced reconciliation with God aren't hypocritical or judgmental of others because they know all the sins that they've been forgiven of when they didn't deserve it. And whether we realize it or not, we are the hands and feet of God to the people we meet. And we need to be careful to represent him correctly, to represent him well. Like it said in our verse, in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. God is making an appeal to all of humanity through us. If someone's only experience of Christians is judgment or rudeness or unforgiveness, what will they think God is like? If God is merciful and gracious and loving and kind, shouldn't his reconciled children be as well? Who would want to be a part of a family of judgers and hypocrites and grumps? Are you representing that kind of family or are you representing a family of humble, forgiven Christians? Something that can help us to act more like reconciled people is to spend some time reflecting on our own reconciliation journey, staying connected to your own reconciliation. It's helpful to remind ourselves occasionally of the gap that used to exist between us and God and to remind ourselves how much he saved us from and freed us from. If you find yourself often tempted to point out other people's sins or to judge them, it might be helpful to spend some time remembering your own sins that you've been forgiven of when you didn't deserve it. If you feel maybe unmotivated or even unconcerned to share reconciliation with others, it might be helpful to spend some time imagining and remembering how it first felt when you found Jesus. How it felt when you were turned from an enemy of God into a friend of God. Maybe then you'll be motivated to offer that experience to others. Those things can help us to act reconciled. We can also participate in the work of reconciliation by listening. 
When Jesus lived on earth, he was around, he was different, and because of those things, he often found himself in positions where people were asking him important questions about the meaning of life and coming to them with coming to him with their problems and struggles and stories. And he listened to them. He'd even listen to words they weren't saying. He could see behind their words. He could see into their hearts and understand what they were meaning. We need to listen to others as well. As we are being around our various influences, we need to practice listening. And not just listening to the audible things, but also asking the Holy Spirit to show us what's being said or what might exist behind someone's words. We can ask questions and get to know people to listen to them. We can also listen in other ways. We can read books and stories or watch videos about people from different environments or different situations and backgrounds to gain insight into what our friends and family and coworkers might be going through. As Joseph mentioned last week in his message, James 1.19 tells us to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. Like Jesus, we can listen to those around us, and then we'll be able to be uh, we'll be more able to speak to them and offer them reconciliation in God. Sometimes our listening can lead us to hear some very devastating things. As you get close to people around you, they might share things that have happened to them or to people they care about. They might share things that concern them or bother them. And you might end up coming into contact with the results of really evil things that people have done. People have been deeply, deeply hurt by the world, but also by Christians and the church. Terrible things have been done to many of the people that you and I know. Entering into this ministry of reconciliation can sometimes end up breaking your heart as you begin to see the brokenness that exists in the world. We have an amazing hope and peace to offer people, but sometimes as we get to know them and their stories, we can become so sad and burdened by the state of the world. We may need to lament. That's our fourth point. We can lament. Lamenting is a cry to God. It's a cry out of anguish and sorrow. And as we come across damaged and hurting people who desperately need God, don't panic. Don't try to fix everything or try to cheer everyone and yourself up. Don't avoid or be afraid of the grief that comes. Sitting with someone and entering even into a hint of the grief they feel is compassionate and can be so impactful. We cannot undo the the wrongs that the church has done. We cannot undo the wrongs that people do to each other. But we can listen and we can have empathy. We can grieve with people and we can grieve for them. We can't offer hope and peace to people if they feel like we don't even understand their life or their pain. It's like prescribing medicine without a diagnosis. And although we can't always go back in time and experience their pain firsthand, we can at least imagine what it would feel like to have experienced that, and we can grieve a little bit with them. We grieve with them, and then we offer them the medicine of relationship with God. We don't have to stay in that lamenting either, though. As we lament to God, he might lead us out of that into meeting some needs, meeting some actual needs, and maybe even being part of fixing some of the brokenness in the world. Jesus didn't just listen. He didn't just grieve for others. He also met their needs. And that's our fifth point. We can meet needs. It's hard for people to receive the message of Jesus if they don't feel cared for or seen. Sometimes as Christians, we want to just go around preaching about Jesus without paying any attention to who we're actually talking to or what they're going through. Without love, our message is nothing. 
Um, in the past few weeks at Kids Church, the kids have been learning about how to share their faith in love. And each week, Thomas has been picking one kid who he knows really well, and he'll deliver the message of Jesus to them in an obviously unloving way. Like he'll say, Lincoln, your life is the worst. It sucks, and it's just going to get worse and worse until Jesus comes into your life. And he'll ask the kids, did that sound like good news? And they'll be like, no, that was horrible. So then Thomas will deliver the message in a more loving way, like, Lincoln, God made you, and he loves you, and he has great plans for you. He wants to be the leader of your life life. And obviously the kids think that's a much better way to deliver the message. <laughs> I realize I'm making kids church sound very scary with Thomas just berating kids each week, but <laughs> trust me, the kids think it's funny. Maybe you just had to be there, but it's all good. <laughs> Jesus also delivered this message of reconciliation in a loving way by first caring for people he spoke with. Jesus didn't tell a group of starving people that he's the bread of life. He fed them first, and then he told them who he was. Jesus didn't just go around yelling, change your ways, turn to God. He healed people. He fed people. He comforted people. He gave money to people. He was going around undoing or reversing the effects of evil on the world. And we can do the same. After being around people, after listening to them, we can meet some of their needs and reverse some of the effects of this sinful world in their lives. God will show you what needs you can meet and he will inspire you about what to do. He might show you where to be. You know, maybe you had a plan for your kid to be in this swimming lesson, they end up in another swimming lesson, and now you have made a great connection with a parent who really needs to talk to someone. Maybe God will show you what to do. Maybe you'll be at the grocery store and you'll see an item and God will bring someone to your mind who needs that thing and you'll buy it for them. Let God lead you to what needs to be done. I honestly feel like I'm preaching to the choir on this one. You guys are amazing at this. I, me and the other pastors are constantly hearing stories about people from this church delivering gifts to someone's house or giving people rides who don't have transportation providing child care for families who need support. You guys are amazing at this, so keep going. You are participating in the work of reconciliation by doing this. As we spend time and effort doing all these things, we will eventually be in a position where we can invite people into reconciliation with God. That's our sixth point, to invite. As they see our lives, as people notice that we are good friends who listen to them and care for them, as we overflow with joy and peace from our own reconciliation to God, we will eventually get opportunities to share that with others. People will ask questions and you'll be able to give them the reason for your hope. People will have struggles and desperate situations and they'll come to you just like they came to Jesus and you will be able to pray with them and share the hope that you have in God. You'll be able to maybe invite people to church or to a life group or a Bible study or maybe even directly invite them into reconciliation that God offers. We have been blessed with the gift of reconciliation to God. Jesus came down to earth and delivered this message of reconciliation to us. And now we are called to deliver this message to others. We're going to close with a song this morning. Before we do that, I'd like to put some questions up on the screen that maybe you can be pondering with the Holy Spirit while we sing and pray. Number one, how has the message of reconciliation changed your life? So maybe you're a person who heard this message for the first time today and you want to take this time to accept the invitation to God. If you do that, please let one of the pastors know or one of your friends know so that we can support you in this new journey. 
Um, or maybe you're a person who heard this message for the millionth time, but maybe the Holy Spirit this morning wants to have you kind of re-experience that so that you're motivated to share it with others. And number two, how is God asking you to participate in the ministry of reconciliation in your own sphere of influence? Where does he have you right now? Where does he have your family? Who do you know? Who do you spend your time with? And how can you do some good works that God has prepared for you? This year at VBS, the kids learned the verse about good works, that God has prepared good works for all of us to do. So let's ask him this morning, Lord, where do you have me? Who do you have me with? And what can I do to be part of reconciling these people to you? Would you stand with me if you're able as we prepare to sing and we'll pray together? <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much for the message of reconciliation that you delivered to us. We do not deserve your love and your mercy. We do not deserve this reconciliation to you, but you gave it to us out of love. So we thank you so much for that, God. Lord, I pray that out of our, um, out of our gratefulness, God, that we would be motivated to share this message with others, that we would be put on mission to deliver reconciliation to the rest of the world. Open our hearts to what you have to say today, God. Holy Spirit, if you want us to re-experience our reconciliation, then do that today. Holy Spirit, if you want to put a place or a person or a need on our heart and direct us in what to do, would you do that today? Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.